Hello, I'm Emma Jane Purcell and welcome back to Fail Harder, the podcast where I chat to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. So before I introduce my guest, I'd like to mention the UX Design Institute who sponsors this podcast. UX Design is an exciting, creative job that is in demand. UX designers make an impact. They solve real world problems using a mix of research, design, technology and psychology. The UX Design Institute offers university credit rated courses which are all completely online and can be completed at your own pace. The recommended course is six months, but you can do it over 12 months if that's what suits you better. Just visit uxdesigninstitute.com forward slash fail for more info. Joining me on the podcast today, I have the multi-talented Sophie White. I was just literally going on, going along totally fine and never had had any kind of um, like any overt kind of mental health issues. Um, And I just was a lecture picnic um, that September and I took a pill and uh, I just, it was like a switch had flipped. Sophie is the best-selling author of Recipes for a Nervous Breakdown and Filter This. She's also a cook and a journalist and writes the weekly column The Domestic in the Sunday Independent Life magazine for the last seven years. Sophie also co-hosts three chart-topping podcasts and her new book Unfiltered was released in June. But today, Sophie is not here to talk about success, she's here to talk about failure. Sophie. Hello, Emma Jane. How are you? I'm great. You're very, very welcome to the podcast. This is almost a Britney Mike situation. That's yeah, pretty cool. I love it. It's just well, a, a kind of a like done deal, KVI own brand version. I got my cool blue Yeti. I was like feeling, feeling fly with my feeling pretty profesh. Pretty profesh. Yeah. I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to do it. Just going to invest. It was like, I was going to get the small one and then I was going to get the medium one. I was like, do you know what? Let's go all out. We're getting the big Yeti. I love it. It's my no, baby. that's a big Yeti energy. You big knew that you Yeti were going to need. It takes a big Yeti for a big podcast. And come here, are you wrecked with the new book and the new baby? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get any and sleep? pandemic. <laughs> sleep, yes. I mean, I, uh, let's see. It's, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely wrecked. Like, I've mm. been savaged by recent uh, collision of events. So, like, yeah. I'm just going to moan. I'm just going to do it. Like, do I'm it. not yeah. here to put a positive spin on anything. Mm-hmm. I'm really sick of people just being like, ah, but sure, it could be worse. Like, yeah, fucking, I get it, Karen. Like, it's, I have a face. I still have my face. Yes. Yeah. You still mm. got your healthy. I've got my health. Yeah. But like, can I not just moan? It's medicinal. <laughs> I need to moan. So like basically Panny D really couldn't have come at a worse time for everyone on the whole planet. I get yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. where I was at um, when they called lockdown back in March, I had, uh, I had a two day old baby. Uh, oh no, two week old baby. Wow. Two weeks. Still pretty fresh. And uh, very fresh. <laughs> so yeah, so like literally, I had been there cruising along, um, delighted with life. I was finishing edits on my third book, and um, it's just come out. Uh, and uh, I knew 
Now, this is my own fault. I had it timed to the, practically the second that yeah. I would clear the edits in time for my due date. Mm. And instead, the baby came three weeks early. And I was like, well. Oh, God. Oh, no. Um, and then like, let's never do this again. Like have a baby or leave things right down to the last three weeks. And um, <laughs> so anyway, I kind of like uh, went like to bed with the baby and finished my edits with the baby like suctioned onto me which was pretty apt because any readers of unfiltered will know that uh, the main characters are pregnant actually mm. for most of the book so um I was kind of gone very method really at that point yeah. um and then yeah like you know yourself like it's just there was just my kids were suddenly there at home and I was supposed to parent them 24 hours a day seven days a week no help that's not right. Like that's not natural. Okay, I kept so seeing maybe people two kids at home. Both. Oh yeah, like so three Jesus. kids total, <laughs> and my husband now working from home, and I don't even have a dishwasher. I don't know why, but my thoughts very much focused on this is very hard, and I don't have a dishwasher. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's been really bleak, and I definitely like saw people like moaning on Twitter about like parents moaning. Um, during lockdown and I just like I could see people being like I mean why did you even have kids if you didn't want to spend time with them and oh, I was shut like up. listen love <laughs> you need to shove that right up your hole like not a single person enters into child uh, you're having children like thinking now in, in the uh, event of an app pandemic like no. will I be able for this like Absolutely it's just not, not really on the <laughs> list of what ifs that we're running through our heads when you're thinking about having kids you're there like will I be able to take time off from my job to care for them and then mm. will I be able to afford childcare? it's practically the second thing yeah, that everyone no. thinks about is <laughs> what will I do about childcare? because you need it so oh, anyway so it's been really it's been really intense right before we begin I'll just explain the format of the podcast quickly so I have 20 questions in front of me numbered at random most are straightforward however some are a little bit unconventional and in the spirit of failure and trying to assert control over what life throws at us you can pick the numbers oh excellent i just so, speed, um, sped through that one <laughs> but you've listened no, to no, podcast, no. so you know i'm very familiar with the format and i i do enjoy the format a lot because Good. it's kind of like it's like the way time is, you know, a human invention mm. to try and impose order <laughs> on the meaninglessness, you know? So yeah. with that in mind, I'm going to choose number 13. Number 13. Because it's my fave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's kind of an interesting number for it to be your fave. Usually people are like, ugh, 13, you know. Well, I'll tell you about people who really like <laughs> the number 13. They are those kind of unbearable types of people who are trying to set their stall out as I'm somebody different and interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so as a person who is trying desperately to appear different and interesting, different and give interesting. me 13. Number 13. Okay. <laughs> is there something you fail at regularly? Um, yeah. I was all set for a spelling question there. <laughs> I was like, oh God, yeah, sorry. I have to actually think. Yes. Well, I'd say what I fail at regularly is balance. Okay. Um, like a balancing kind of work and life and leisure, leisure. Mm. And I 
think it's something I have to really watch in myself. And I think I see it as well a, a lot with our kind of generation, I suppose. Mm. Like being that generation that is, you know, just we're basically kind of like, I suppose I'm 35. So I do remember pre-internet, kind mm. of pre-Wi-Fi and pre-like smartphones and all of that. And I, so I feel almost like at the age I'm at, I've kind of straddled two worlds. I've kind of had a taste of the analog uh, of the kind of, you know, late 90s and early 2000s. And then also now obviously living um, in the future, which is where we live now. And uh, I guess I, I have very, I'm like very nostalgic for sort of like the time when you literally had to kind of go to the internet. Yeah. You know, like when it was in the corner of the living room on this like you know, washing machine sized computer and like you had to go on and you had to do the dial up and you had to like get shouted at for, for tying up the phone lines. And now we don't have to go there anymore. We are just completely submerged in the internet and, and you know, yourself, like with the work you do, um, and really there's hardly a job out there anymore that isn't in some way very connected to mm. being always connected and things like that. It's just, I mean, I honestly see it as like a kind of, you basically kind of get to a point in your career and you're so successful, you don't need to have that kind of level of connectivity. And like mm. that's almost kind of a point of privilege. Like you're so successful, you don't need the internet you don't need yeah. your social media you don't need yeah. like I remember reading about Christopher Nolan and um, the film director doesn't have email and like I read oh, this wow. stupid article that was all about like how Chris Chris Nolan doesn't really agree with email and I was like hang on no. like what the fuck <laughs> like of course it's not that he doesn't agree with email he just pay somebody else to field mm. that for him. Like that is not an <laughs> ideological stand that he's taking. Or if it is, it's a stand that he is able to take because he is extremely successful and he's Christopher Nolan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I would say I fail a lot at like just switching off and mm. yeah. And, I and think just, like even with your not doing, doing, doing all the time. Yeah. Like I think that like a lot of young people you know, a lot of like, even my own friends and stuff, you'd hear kind of like, I think associate with uh, people who are successful, like how many followers on Instagram they have. Like I, I've heard in so many conversations. Of course, like, it's such oh God, a like, currency. She has 15,000 followers. Like she's doing so well. And it, it it's just like, it's very sad. And it, it means like, sometimes like you look at yourself and you're like, oh, I don't have that many followers. Does that mean like, I'm not doing well? it's such a it's such a superficial thing but like we're all oh yeah kind of it's a really like oh yeah it's like Mm. this completely meaningless metric um now having said that i'd love to have ten thousand followers i'd love it but i also (laughs) guys it's at soph white whoop i think oh god get a proper handle sophie if you want a little body (laughs) for fuck's sake but basically it's terrible because I think on an academic level, we can be all like, this is extremely superficial and yet be also just the same inside Absolutely. my head being mm. like, oh, but I want the follow. Mm. Um, 
And also, just to clarify, like that was not me being like, oh, I'm, I repeatedly fail at having balance. That's not like, you know, when you're in a job interview and they're like, what would be one of your worst traits? And somebody would be like, <laughs> I'm too productive. That is not <laughs> what I'm talking about. I am just talking about literally being unable to make space for stopping. Mm. And actually, I have, I think, a bit of a kind of fear of just like, you know, stopping it's like is that like the I remember you know yeah I think it's like the fear of saying no and like being then tarnished with the no brush Mm. like that people won't ever come and ask you ever again because you said no one time so instead like I'm doing psychotic things like editing uh, an episode of a podcast while I'm in labor um (laughs) <laughs> and that was it's not something I'm proud of what actually happened? <laughs> but I totally did that yes <laughs> now sometimes like you need something to do while you're in labor and mm. <laughs> I, I actually I can hear how this sounds and I'm like oh my god I can't believe I just fucking admitted to that but it's yeah I, yeah I did that but yeah. like labor is you know you seat. could be at it for hours you know yeah. and you need to pass the time <laughs> Like you've and done like, so many things, like just even like looking all the stuff up about you before the podcast, as you do. Um, like you've done loads, like, you know, three books, you have a column, you have like three podcasts. <laughs> I currently, I, I, in my defense, I currently have two podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so bad I, I have it's a running joke with um I work with uh, Cassandra Delaney who is an incredible and um, incredible producer of podcasts and she just is like you have too many Sophie it's actually grotesque like you need to just drop <laughs> one of those nobody needs that much um you know time on the internet dedicated to you and your thoughts and like meanwhile I'm like, I disagree I have a new idea for a podcast <laughs> It's called A Toast to Toast. And it's just going to be about toast. And she's like, I'm going to put a stop to that right now. Like, I am not enabling this lunatic behavior. So uh, currently the Vulture Club uh, is on hiatus. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> hiatus. Yeah. Isn't that so LA? Like, yeah, oh, the Vulture Clubs. We're on hiatus. Yeah. I like um, that toast idea. Hmm. <laughs> I was going to do Big Bag of Cans with Emma Jane. It was either that or oh, Fail <laughs> that's definitely like the subheading of fail harder like, <laughs> fail harder a big bag of cans of emma jane i love it wouldn't it be really Do fun it. just having a big bag of cans and having the chats i mean yeah i can see that in theory <laughs> i do not drink so i would just be having a big bag of toast probably <laughs> BYO toast. <laughs> I like being near. I like being with people who are drinking, though. Mm. Like, I think in Ireland, sometimes people kind of assume if you don't drink that you're either going to be watching them drink, like kind of horrified or disapproving or something. Um, but I freaking love when everyone's kind of like just having their own little boys and everyone's everyone's merry I don't need I almost don't need to be I just kind of get in a contact merriness you know that's good I love that yeah. mm. all right yeah. we move on to the next number absolutely yes what would you like oh yeah of course that's me three <laughs> please number three okay think back to your final year in secondary school how did you picture <sighs> your future then is that picture different to your life now 
Oh my God. Yeah, totally different. Uh, final year in secondary school, I had applied to NCAD, uh, which is the art college on Thomas Street. And uh, I'd gotten in. So this is kind of a terrible system. I don't know if, I presume it's still the same, where they tell you, they tell six years that they've gotten in before they said they're leaving cert because oh, you yeah. get in based on your portfolio and what then sets in is um, just this like complete ambivalence toward doing anything <laughs> for your leaving cert because you're like oh, I'm grand yeah <laughs> all you have to do is pass your leaving cert so um <laughs> so at the time I thought I was going to be an artist and mm. that's what I really really wanted to do and was absolutely like hyper to get going. I was so excited to go to art college. Uh, and I thought like, do you mean kind of what did I think my life would be like at now? Yeah, like, so by like my mid thirties. When, mm, when you were 18, kind of being like, this is what I want my life to be. Like, is your life mm. like, like that? Or is it, you know, is it different? Okay. Mm. Yeah. So I think I really thought that my life, I thought I was going to be kind of like, like Nico, but without the, um, devastating drug addiction oh yeah um so i'm picturing in like it's just me and i'm like an old narky bitch just loving life in like a loft in mm. i think let's go hamburg oh yeah cool um, and and i definitely interestingly maybe it's interesting i mean I accepted the invitation to come on this podcast and talk about myself. So I guess I have to go from <laughs> trying go to convince you that this is interesting. <laughs> I think I thought I'd definitely be single. Um, oh, that is kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So it's definitely a surprise to me that I am not single and that I'm actually like very, yeah, I've got a family and I've got like a real kind of, it's almost so conventional that it's come full circle into being totally bizarre. That I have like a husband and three children. Like it's so, it's what? It's did you crazy. just, did you just like, were you just not arsed with the idea of being in a relationship or like why, what was it that you thought you'd be single? I think just like lots of my idols when I was growing up, just, they were just women who it seemed like I think that the kind of domestic life looked to me to be such a burden and mm. such a hassle and something that would actually just stifle your creativity and things like that. Mm. So like some of the kind of um, like women artists that I was really obsessed with, like, you know, family or like marriage or things like that didn't necessarily feature in their lives. Or if they did, it was often in quite a negative way. Like I loved Frida Kahlo. Um, mm. And obviously, you know, she had this like very like tempestuous marriage to a mural painter called Diego Rivera. And, uh, but she was such a kind of, oh, she was just such an independent individual. Like, and I loved, I was like, I, I like the buzz there now. She's kind of had this guy, they've got a cool setup. They had two houses side by side. So they mm. kind of didn't live with each other as, mm. as exactly. And so I think that was it. Like in the kind of blueprint of being a woman and an artist, it felt like a, like a wife and a mother would be an anathema to that yeah. and would be actually an obstacle to it. Mm. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I feel like a lot of women would, you know, being a bit younger might say the same thing about going into something like into a creative mm -hmm. career and like you know the kind of 
children and all that is kind of way, way, way back at the back of their mind. But then I suppose things change, mm. you know, as you get older. And here you are with three yeah. children. <laughs> yeah. Well, my first baby, I didn't exactly plan. Mm. Like, and I kind of nearly love that now because yeah. I think, I don't know if I ever would have made that decision, but I'm so just, just like, I just love my son and I love being a mother and you know, so I actually mm. feel like I'm quite, I'm quite lucky there. Mm. And, and then you see so- the initial panic <laughs> of like, Oh my Jesus. <laughs> How could this be? How could this be? <laughs> Two forms of contraception. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. He's a great guy though. This. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. He's great. And so He's you really a wanted to guy. be an artist. So you yeah. obviously studied art and stuff and then kind of you made the transition then. <laughs> I thought you were about to say, so you obviously failed at that. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, yes, I did. It's one of my key failures. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like how, what, what, why did you leave art basically? Like, was it because it wasn't working out or was it because you found all the other stuff that you're doing now? Um, it was because it wasn't working out. Mm. Like, um, obviously coming on a podcast about failing, I was thinking quite a bit about failing this yeah. week. And um, I I know from my extensive stalking of you and your podcast that you do ask people, you know, what their kind of biggest failure they think is, say, mm. from their lives and stuff. And I'd often think back to that point right when I left college and kind of was on the precipice of pursuing art or, or not pursuing art. And uh, I do, I don't think that I can categorically say like that, you know, if I'd done it, I would have been a success mm. or anything like that, obviously. But I do think that I got quite paralyzed at, at that moment, age 22, and I was scared to try. And I think that that's the only kind of failure that like, you just, if you just don't try, you know, Mm. you're just actually denying yourself so much potential Mm. experience, not even success, because like that's so transient. Um, But like, just, I think that's the only time you're allowed to be, or like, I think that's the only time I get really disappointed in myself, like is if I've actually just not done something out of fear. In fact, my friend Louise always says that if I come to her with the decision that I have to make and I'd say, I don't want to do something, she'll always be like, well, you know, are you operating from a place of like fear or is there like legitimate reasons that you don't want to do it? Yeah. She thinks that like just being like scared to do something is the worst excuse ever. And oh, really... like it totally is the reason why we don't do so many things. It's like, if you really, really think about it, it's that we're afraid that we're going to fail at the thing or that it's going to not Absolutely. work out. Or we're going to be left devastated for trying. Yeah. Totally. And then the thing is that I think where I was at um, right at the end of college, like I was just doing that thing, like that 20 something, going out loads, doing a lot of drugs. And then I then had a breakdown. Um, yes. Like tell a, us pro- about a proper. Yeah. I think that a lot of my listeners, you know, would be actually super interested in this story. If you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. So I suppose I, it was the summer, you know, after college and I was still hanging around Dublin, but I was saving to go away traveling with a group of friends and a new boyfriend who I just kind of met um, at the time. And we've been going out about six months. And um, 
I was just literally going on, going along totally fine. Um, never had had any kind of, um, like any overt kind of mental health issues. Um, and I just was a lecture picnic um, that September and I took a pill and uh, I just, it was like a switch had flipped mm. and I basically had like a horrific trip on the pill and um, like to this day I'm not even like I mean I don't even know for sure what the pill was I mean that's yeah. kind of the nature of pills if you think about it yeah <laughs> to anyone out there who's like make thinking of making a purchase you can't actually know what's in that pill mm. and um so anyway I had that night it was on the Saturday night of electric picnic I just had the worst I was at the back of this huge huge tent and like too many DJs were playing I'm pretty sure it was too many DJs and I could feel like myself coming up and was like, great, delighted. Obviously, this was the um, <laughs> whole the point, point. <laughs> um, the point of taking the pill. And then um, suddenly, as I was kind of coming up, I just started to notice that things were going really weird. And like all my kind of senses sort of felt like they were kind of misfiring. I kind of started to feel very, very hot, like these kind of rolling waves of heat coming up my body, like from my feet up to my head. And then like my vision started to get really weird. Everything looked like if you've ever looked down the wrong end of binoculars, mm. like it looked suddenly like everything was really small and far away and just like drenched in this kind of dread do you know when you're mm. having a nightmare and there's just this like completely all-consuming feeling of dread and yeah. kind of horror and it's unfocused it's not at a thing it's just everywhere like it's you and you're it kind of mm. that kind of just swept through into me like and I I was like oh gotta get, get outside get a bit of water shake this off now you know yeah. like I had been quite a moderate like drug taker I would class myself as quite moderate. I think that lots of people class themselves as moderate because you can always find someone somewhere like doing lines of coke at 6 p.m. on a Saturday night. Well, you know, <laughs> at, at their coffee table and they've no intention of going out. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you find that person that's just a bit worse than you and hmm. kind of cling to that person. But like, so I definitely thought I was quite a moderate drug user, but really I think it can... It's just funny. I think that with drugs, it can be such a roll of the dice. You can have a hundred perfect experiences on drugs and you don't know what's going on in your brain sometimes. And I mm. think that my brain just gave out that night and I got out of the tent, out into the kind of, you know, it's kind of the darkness. Like it was about 10 and 10 PM or something. And I was just like, I kind of, I wish I'd gone to the first aid tent. Like I think that they really could have helped me Were right you in totally that moment. Alone at, at, when that was I had left, I'd left my friends in the tent because I didn't want to say that I was like having a bad buzz. I just, mm. it's so stupid, but like, you know, the kind of buzz code, like, oh, yeah, the I didn't want them to early like, don't wreck my buzz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, the buzz, the bad buzz is catching. No, you brought the bad buzz to us. <laughs> Stuff. She's just, just a bad to... buzz. <laughs> oh yeah, I just didn't want to be a bad buzz. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, and I feel like if I'd gone to the first aid tent, somebody would have probably like you know given me something to just calm me down that might have mm. like just 
and I would have felt safe. But instead, I just went to my own tent and was like, I'll just ride this out. It's a bad trip. It's grand. You'll be grand. And the thing is, like, quite often you would be totally like you'd have a horrible night, but you'd have a bad hangover and you might feel kind of like iffy and mm. fiery for like a few days. Um, but this was nothing like that. It was just mad. Like when I got back to the tent, I was like having kind of like weird hallucinations where I was talking to my parents and like saying sorry for killing their daughter and all this kind of like weird, weird, weird stuff. And like the whole trip just seemed to be so relentless. Like it just went on and on through the night. And I genuinely thought I was going to die. Um, which I think um, it just seemed, I just, my, it just wrecked, wrecked my buzz. It was yeah. a terrible, <laughs> terrible night. And the thing is, I remember kind of waking up in the morning and being like, okay, Jesus, like, I'm never, I, that's it now. No more drugs. Like, I really was like, mm. I would learn my lesson. That was horrendous. I felt like scarred from it. And then um, I just got out, got up out of the tent, like was getting some water and, you know, just that kind of feeling shaky, but like kind of okay. And then the next thing, the whole thing, the whole trip seemed to start all over again. Like the same thing of like the waves of heat traveling up my body, this sensation almost of being kind of lifted and like, as if you're standing in the ocean and Mm. kind of waves are kind of lifting you and like, everything looking so weird again and like I just was like oh my god what this couldn't this shouldn't be happening like it was really really that was scarier than even the first kind of onset of it because the first onset I was like whoa it's that pill I took an hour ago but now I was like no this this should be hours and hours this should be over it's been Mm. about 16 hours I was there like trying to drink water and like cleanse my system and and from then on I basically felt like I was constantly stuck in this loop of coming up um for months um and I didn't actually go to seek like medical treatment for months because I was so ashamed Mm. that it was happening and I was so ashamed that I brought it on myself and I thought I was going mad like I just thought this is it I've broken my brain irrevocably and the kind of intensity did get worse like as much as like the first night was really really bad but there was a lot of bad nights there in between as Mm. well where it just it just was unrelenting and it just felt I always remember like when I'd go to sleep at night I was actually able to sleep because I think I was so exhausted by the just kind of it was just like a horror in my head all day mm-hmm. every day and uh my sort of vision was always it just things looked weird and I had this constant sense of kind of something whispering in my ears or it was quite hallucinatory mm-hmm. like possibly probably because of the drugs element mm-hmm. and um I remember like I'd wake up in the morning and in my dreams I felt normal and I'd even sometimes have that sort of strange, you know, when you're strangely cognizant that you're in a dream. Yeah. And yeah. I'd be going like, oh, check me out. I feel normal. Maybe it's gone away. Mm. And then I'd wake up and I'd be like, it's not gone away. Oh God, it's still here. And it was oh, just, fear it just oh. hit, mm. uh, it just hit this fever point. And I think that is, it is really frightening. Like when your brain turns on you. 
Because your brain chemistry had misfiring. I think pretty much, yeah. Mm. Like I, it was sort of, you know, explained to me as kind of a drug, a form of drug-induced kind of psychosis, mm. or you know, with and it was, it was. I basically got to the point where I really became suicidal because it just felt like this was my reality now, and it was never going to go. It was mm. never going to. Um leave and I just I know even uh, I got became completely obsessed with the idea that my life wasn't real and that people yeah. weren't real so it was kind of like a Truman show type thing yeah sort of like also just the most self-absorbed narcissistic delusion you can imagine <laughs> where I was like oh I felt I thought all my memories of of my life had been like implanted in my head you know it's it's mad because like it does sound mad. So yeah, obviously, it was very real to you, you know, at the time. That's it. It's it's quite hard to describe it mm. because it's so. It's just you have such a disconnection from the kind of reality that you you normally exist in and that other people exist in. When you're mentally ill, you just are. You're just trapped, kind of. Mm. You're just really trapped behind this kind of. Um, sort of filter is that, that that's now faulty do you know what I'm trying to say it's yeah, just absolutely, like yeah it's like somebody has put the Juno filter a favorite of mine on Instagram mm. over your whole fucking life and instead of it making it look very pretty and slightly orangey hued it's just dread it's like yeah. a dread filter it's just well oh, and it yeah so I mean really to be honest it's I think it's kind of logical almost. I mean, very kind of grimly logical that I became suicidal because of course, yeah. I couldn't really, I couldn't actually conceive of continuing on like that. It might, I think the thing is that, and I think people with mental illness will get this one. They'll know it. They'll feel it. It's just that you are literally trying to live from minute to minute. And it's, it's kind of agony. It's just mm. like, yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> and I went to um, John God's and was treated um, as an outpatient, actually. And, uh, you know, I was given medication and I was very, very scared of taking the medication. I remember yeah. just, it was 2007. And I know it seems kind of like not that long ago, but people really didn't talk about their meds that they mm. were on. And like, you know, now it's so great because, you know, you probably, there's probably like a hashtag head meds where you can go and, you know, look mm. at loads of people sharing about how medication may have helped them or, you know, just stuff like that. People are so much more open about it now. And but they really weren't back then. And I was scared because I think a pill had led to, in my mind, a yeah. pill had led to what had happened. So to take another pill, I was like, oh, but I'm so, so glad that I just, I did. And I had a really supportive team um, treating me. And, you know, I now like would never, you know, I take medication still. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I really, owe my, I feel I owe my life to those kind of interventions. I think that, you know, sometimes they can get a bad rap. Yeah, there's a bit rep. of a stigma around, you know, taking medication sometimes. I think there's a lot of like, you know, positivity about like wellness and therapy and stuff but like meds which mm. sometimes are essential for people 
totally yeah a bit of a yeah there is I think a little bit of a stigma still what I think is interesting about this conversation is because I was looking recently um somebody had sent me something that I think it was Giselle the model Giselle Bunchman if it wasn't Giselle then I'm really sorry if I'm about to tarnish her unfairly but um (laughs) a model had given an interview talking kind of essentially about sort of lifestyle measures you know that you can do to you know improve your mental health being the operative word um you know as opposed to mental illness uh Mm -hmm. you know I think we talk a lot about mental health and you know I think that that almost is ever so slightly while it's a really good and important conversation it's ever so slightly people are kind of pulling a lot in underneath that umbrella of mental health when we still need to you know genuinely acknowledge that there is mental illness and it is different and it requires a different treatment and um that measures to sort of to kind of like keep your mental health well are going to be different to treating your mental illness. Yeah. And, um, and both are important, but I think this model anyway had kind of said, you know, something along the lines of medication being the easy way out. And I, mm. you know, I took to Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I, I took to Instagram. <laughs> I was slightly incensed. I was incensed because I just feel we don't need anyone reinforcing bad images of um, yeah. these kind of treatments. And also because it is wholly incorrect um, taking, you know, psychiatric medication is like, as I said before, like I completely feel it saved my life, but it also is tricky and it's not easy. And you need a lot of support when you're going onto these kinds of medications and you need a lot of help while you're on them. And it's just not something to, you know, make a throwaway comment like that about. But I do now, I was kind of reflecting further on it. And what I was thinking is that it's funny, we get a lot of our messaging from around this from America with lots of like, like outspoken supermodel chatting about it. And I suppose they have such a screwed up, um, you know, medical industry industry in the States in that like, you know, anyone who's done any reading about this, you know, will know that like companies developing medications in America can put ads on TV for their medication. They can woo doctors into prescribing their meds in a kind of an almost creepy pyramid scheme. Like it's just so different to here in Ireland. So in a way I felt then, oh, maybe I'm being unfair because she's coming from a very different setup. And, you know, there is a conversation to be had about that um, mm. system in America, but like it's in, it's over there. Like, uh, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, maybe there is more context there. Anyway, yeah. God, sorry. F- I fell into a hole there of talking that about was very that. interesting. I think um, your story is super <laughs> interesting. I was actually chatting about this with um, my friends recently and uh, we were talking about kind of how, you know, within our generation, there's such a huge problem with mental health and stuff. And then there's obviously a lot of people doing drugs as well. And kind mm, of people mm. don't ever correlate the two. And even if it's just like they might do drugs, not like every single weekend, but like maybe once in a while, they, we never seem to kind of put two and two together when like often maybe maybe that has been a kind of a reason that might set somebody into a kind of a bit of a downward spiral. I mean, I don't know. Yours was definitely obviously set off by that pill you took at Electric Picnic, but I think there's probably a lot more people who feel 
the same has happened to them. Absolutely. And also the thing is that as much as it was a very like kind of switch flipping Mm. moment in that it happened all in the space of like one night and I wasn't the same again ever. Like, yeah, which is kind of, I, I'd love if people would get me into talking schools about this. (laughs) I'll just throw that out into the ether because I'd love to talk to younger people about it and just be like, look, I'll lay it out for you. Like you can have fun, but then what if you just had too much fun one night and then you never had fun again? Mm. How'd you like that? (laughs) Even though of course it's not true. I've somewhat recovered and I have fun still. But like, I think as well, the thing with my thing was, it was probably very much a cumulative effect too, because I had Mm. been like smoking weed regularly for, you know, a couple of years, all of those kinds of things. Like, I think if it hadn't happened that night with that pill, it could have easily happened another night with something different. Do you know what I mean? So I think I was probably headed towards it no matter what. Yeah. And that's what I kind of feel. So, and like as well, like with say people kind of who just sort of do it recreationally really kind of um, intermittently, you know, it's just a road of the dice. Like that's really why drugs legislation needs to be improved on because so we do need to actually just make it safer for people to do what people are going to do anyway, Absolutely, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of like my general feelings on that. And mm. I do think as well that like, you can just have like a hundred people take the same thing and 99 of them be fine. And one person's just, you don't really know really what you can take until yeah Mm. and the thing is it's really scary when your brain turns on you it's just like a different level of kind of illness because there's a lot of shame attached to it and the illness will almost convince you that you don't deserve help and if there's anyone listening who's like i don't deserve help just that's just that fucking bad bitch in your brain is a liar yeah and you know i kind of i have to say it myself as well to myself Oh, absolutely. Like when I was going through like a bad time a couple of years ago, I remember, you know, just, you know, you're just not feeling yourself and like, will I ever feel myself again? And I remember like thinking, God, I wish like, you know, I didn't really wish this, but at the time I was like, I wish I just was like physically ill with something. Do you know what I mean? Because it just seems yeah, more like something quantifiable. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. If it, you do, if it is your brain, it's so much harder to understand. And there isn't just like, an antibiotic you can take or you know it's a lot more of a journey totally yeah you're so right Mm. yeah I know you'd kind of be there tempted to just have like a broken leg (laughs) not like necessarily any illness because like all illnesses are so terrifying yeah exactly (laughs) you don't want a a nice (laughs) just a nice leg break that's straightforward it's a pain in the arse (laughs) equally having said that there's probably somebody shouting at their phone right now being like Shut up. (laughs) Fuck you. I've broken my leg and it's not fun, you stupid bitches. (laughs) Right. On that note, shall we move on to the next number? Yeah. That's how I didn't end up doing art anyway, is that I veered very much away. That's in answer to the original question. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Right. What number would you like next? Oh yeah. Sorry. I keep thinking forgetting it's me uh i'll have nine please <laughs> number nine okay in the periodic table of elements oh, what, here we go yes <laughs> what is fe oh i want to say iron 
Bingo! Ding, 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 ding! Yes. You're right! <laughs> I'm so excited. I, obviously, I do listen. I am a regular listener to Fail Harder. And um, I love the general knowledge, but I'm also terrified that, like, my horrific, like, stage school child competitiveness will come out. <laughs> so it's going to be horrific. Well, you did that one. If I, if I do well on the questions, I know it's going to yeah, be disgusting. Feel like that's... I'm just going to be horrifically delighted with myself. <laughs> I, I particularly loved Marcus O'Leary, who tried to kind of game the general knowledge quite a bit. Oh, like yeah. You asked him, I read this just sticks out in my head. You asked him um, how many times you could fold a piece of A4 paper in half, and he couldn't cope with having gotten it wrong. And I was like, like, oh, Marcus. <laughs> he's like, and I'll he's tell you how you sport. failed with that question. <laughs> Yes. And I was listening to it like, oh my God, Marcus, he's, he's amazing. He's like a psychopath. He could be CEO. Marcus, with that attitude, you go straight to the top. I actually know and like Marcus, if yeah, he's a regular listener. He is. Hi, Marcus. Hi, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really good. It's so oh, revealing right. of people, isn't it? Mm. Like, yeah. That was a really late addition, the fun questions. That was like a night before a job. And I'm so glad that it, I put it in now. <laughs> It's so brilliant because you get to see how people deal in real time with their mm. failure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, next number. What would you like? Okay. Um, I'll have 18, please. Number 18. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? No. No. Absolutely. Shall I elaborate? You it absolutely do. doesn't. <laughs> of course not. That's insanity. You think? <laughs> yes. Who's who's pulling the strings on that puppet show? That's, <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's all very random out here, you know? Yeah. Mm. I definitely do. But I do enjoy like signs. Like okay. yeah. and, co- and coincidences and like I do just kind of enjoy that kind of magical thinking yeah. for fun. But I do really think that it's the universe is chaos. There is no rhyme or reason. Mm. I like though that as a species, we've tried to impose reason. On, oh, yeah. On, for example, our lives. I really, you know, I think that's very interesting. Um, but no, I definitely, it's just... It's just a complete free for all of randomness out here. Yeah, but to, even though, yeah. even though, like you're kind of, your what's the word? Your change. That's <laughs> not the right word I'm looking for. But of mm. you know your career path, where you know was it? You went to New Zealand, studied to be a chef. Yeah. Came yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. You know, would you kind of just say again, New Zealand, totally random? That was just, you know, nothing was kind of meant to be in that way no I think nothing's meant to be I think that like you I do think that what we can do sometimes in life for ourselves is set up our future self somewhat yeah and I by what I mean by that is kind of like I've often noticed that things that I have maybe like put out there a few years ago you know even if say sort of like trying to meet the kind of people that you want to work with, say, mm. um, you know, if you're in the creative industry and things like that and getting out there and kind of, I, I think you can put things out there and they can kind of like flower in your absence sometimes. Yeah. And you can kind of almost come back across them like at a later point where it's going to be sort of 
be meaningful or useful. Do you know that kind of way? And I kind of yeah. see that slightly. I kind of think I've kind of like I'm not very old yet. I'm still very only 35, young. Yeah, only thirty five, but I have noticed things coming coming kind of through. Things mm. coming through and going like, oh, that's interesting. You look back and see the connections that kind of might have brought something yeah. about, and it does feel kind of like you know possibly by intelligent design but then you remember that that's not real <laughs> and then you remember are you would you say this a big question um are you kind of where you want to be now in your life would you say um yeah mm. um I think like, do you mean in terms of career? Yeah, career. Well, yeah, career mostly. And we can throw in the gym if you want as well. Other stuff. I think where I'd like to be is more healthy in my kind of balance. Yeah. I'm very, I'm at that point with young kids where like the, the kind of family life is relentless. Yeah. And I feel a bit like I'm kind of, I'm in a constant state of waiting for that all to calm down. Mm. And I think a lot of people might kind of relate to this. I feel like we're all in this waiting game of when will this calm down next week? Now I'll get on top of things and it'll all calm down next week. Do you get that feeling? Yeah, I actually said something recently. My friend was like, you can't say that. But anyways, I'm going to say it now. Somebody was like, oh, like, don't worry, it'll all work out. And I was like, yeah, it'll work out. And then something else will happen and then that'll work out. And then we'll just, it'll just keep happening. And then we die. (laughs) I know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, it'll just keep going. It's just, you know, life is just a bit terminal in every sense of it. Like, (laughs) relentless, just still out here. Ticking off that, you know, um, you know, the uh, function on social media, um, infinite scroll, you know, the way we just can keep scrolling and keep scrolling and keep scrolling. And, you know, you don't know the guy, there's a, there's like a guy, an engineer who invented the infinite scroll. And, um, I, I, to be honest, I find the infinite scroll very obviously addictive. Um, but it's a very like neat metaphor, I think for life, especially at this kind of point in human existence, which is Mm. a very strange, like, you know, it's just a strange time to be alive. Yeah. Oh, it's um, such a strange time to be alive. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't think we were really built for it. I think that like physiologically, the, the kind of like other pandemic um, of kind of hate and trolling and extremism and and all of that, I see it as a kind of a like a pandemic of the kind of soul and I feel like it's kind of the actions of a, a desperate animal Do you yeah. know that kind of way yes and I kind of feel a bit like that we're the desperate animals like we're not actually really built to live at this speed we're not really built to kind of sort of take on such masses of information yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like do. say for example, you know when they first started, um, you know, like traveling by rail, and mm. there was a lot of like concern at the time. I've I've read this that like people were concerned about what would happen to the human body if it was being propelled at such speeds on a train. Oh, 
And I always think of that when I think now about where we've come to. Um, so advanced in some very specific respects mm. and then so not in so many other respects. Yeah. And I do find it like fascinating just thinking about, are we made for this? And I always think of that line in um, a Brian Wilson song, um, I just wasn't made for these times. Um, it's such a gorgeous song. Um, and I just kind of often think like, you know, is this a, you know, some kind of failed experiment and you know yeah. it makes me sad like, as well like people you know who are going to be doing like college online and things like that like you know college was just I loved college I mean I went to drama college so obviously it was great but uh yeah you know like that was just such a important time for me in my life and probably my best memories and it just makes mm. me sad to see that other people aren't going to have that and like what's that going to do to people I know. I know and then I think though that like just like obviously I realized I there I dragged you way down on a diner with me about <laughs> how everything's fucked but um just to put like I suppose a better spin on that too which I did notice during pandemic I was like I love the that the appetite for like actual tactile connection did not wane no people needed it people wanted it and i think that that's going to be a stronger force than the, the temptation to kind of like follow this very online existence um, and i do think that like basically to quote the iconic jurassic park life finds a way and i think <laughs> that we will definitely cling to that and i think the thing that the pandemic did do was as well as just making us realize how much we need that tactile connection is also just making people really appreciate the arts yes and yeah this has been my favorite drum to beat since lockdown began just that that thing of like how much we all turned to art in lockdown to buoy us yeah. and it was like i kind of feel like it was a kind of <clears throat> just this kind of like epiphany for our generation and mm. I feel like other generations had those epiphanies and from different events do you know that kind of way like yeah, do you know absolutely. the way after yeah. the first world war sparked off such an incredible time in art and mm. um, in the the 20s and 30s in terms of just like I mean art art kicked up a notch massively into all kinds of incredible movements kind of coming out of that huge um tumultuous time you know, yeah. that kind of way. And yeah. even sort of, yeah, like it's just sort of, I feel that there's always growth. Like it's just so cyclical, I guess. But like mm. I feel the growth post-pandemic, there, there'll be a lot of issues, but there will be a lot of really interesting things to witness and kind yeah. of how, how we remake ourselves is going to be interesting. It'll be cool to study it in like, you know, 50 years time at, at like the after effects that it had and like what, what kind of the pandemic brought like in the future. <laughs> totally or what's going to happen is it's going to become our generation's Italia 90 and we'll oh, yeah. never shut up about it <laughs> and all future generations will be like oh, like, oh my god they're talking up. about COVID-19 again and we'll be there like it was the best days of our lives yeah. I got to know my neighbours I went 
to a board meeting in pajamas. <laughs> it was the best of times and the worst of times. And we'll have all this like crazed nostalgia about it. So it could go it's either way. so true. We definitely will be talking about it forever. We were out on the doorstep <laughs> clapping our healthcare heroes, which was lovely. <laughs> which was lovely. <laughs> and I did get to know my neighbours pretty well. Nice. <laughs> um, I think we have time for one more question. Because time is flying away, like it's flying away. But I kind of want to ask you a fun one. Why don't you pick? Yeah, I want to ask you a fun one because they didn't come up. Um, Okay, you actually actually have to close your eyes for this one if that's okay. Oh, fun, okay. Yeah, because unless you're using a phone, are you using a phone to talk to me? I am using a phone, yeah. Okay, you don't need to close your eyes. (laughs) Okay. So, what key is between you and O on a standard computer keyboard? Oh. Hmm. God, that's funny. <laughs> you know, I have a laptop that's so old, a lot of the print on the keys has worn off. Oh, no way. <laughs> um, and uh, so you can see just, it actually looks incredible <laughs> because when you open it up, the light that is under the keyboard shines up directly through the parts where the actual, mm. you know, letter has worn away. So it looks That's like amazing. I'm typing on an incredible machine of the future. <laughs> Even though it's just broken. <laughs> the Q and the O. Between, y- no, U and O. The U and O. Umbrella. Yeah. That's a really hard question. Mm, you'd think you'd know it, wouldn't you? And then it's like... I'm trying to kind of... Try and type in your I'm going to put you down. And yeah, I'm going to type. Do. So, U and O. <sighs> I'm just going to have to throw out a random guess. <laughs> go on. I'm going to go P. Nope. What is it? It's the letter I. Ah, that wasn't even remotely in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I was far, far off. That's a brilliant question. Is it good? Yeah. (laughs) Give me one of the other general. Is it really good? It's really good. I want another general knowledge question. Okay. So fun. (laughs) Give me one more. Okay, one more. What country is larger in area, France or Chile? Oh God, no, I hate <laughs> geography. I am so ignorant that I thought Argentina was in Europe until fairly <laughs> so... recently. Well, until I went there. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so France, France or Chile? France or Chile. That's a hard one. Mm. Sorry. There's like an alarm going off as well there. I don't know if you can hear them saying it's a false alarm. God, I'm going to... I'm trying to picture Chile squashed up into the shape of France. Yeah. I think I'll go France. You are incorrect. The answer is Chile. Good test. You did In my defense. Right. One. One. Why did I ask for these general knowledge questions? <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I would have had a hundred percent perfect score if I just left yeah, until it. the very just, end. Just had to, to poke the beast. And I think the reason I thought France was bigger is because I travelled around France a lot on it bicycle, and it feels fucking massive. It's kind of a trick. <laughs> it's kind of a trick question. Before you go, do you want to just mention, like, 
talk a small bit about your new book, which is out. Absolutely. I'd love to. Um, Mm. So my latest book is called Unfiltered and it just came out like two weeks ago or something. And um, it's the follow up to a novel that came out last September called Filter This. So it's basically a sequel. But I believe and I haven't been able to convince anyone to like say this publicly or write this in any articles or in any of the reviews. But I think it might well be the best sequel since Gremlins 2. <laughs> like, I'm really genuinely really enjoyed writing it. <laughs> and everyone so I nice. met was like, ooh, you're doing a sequel. Ooh. And I was like, I know, God, I'm never doing this again. But actually, I loved loved writing it. So basically, my, the two novels are set in the world of Instagram influencers. Yeah. But you definitely don't need, I don't think, to be very well versed in that sphere to kind of have the crack with it and enjoy it. Because it's really just, it's just basically a total rom-com in essence. So in the first book, like basically our main character is Ali Jones, not me. She's not based on me, but we both would like to get really big on Instagram. (laughs) Just some of us take it too far. Um, So in the first book, she faked a pregnancy to get big on Instagram. And in the faking of the pregnancy, she also kind of came by um, this guy who she had had like a Tinder hookup with. And he kind of comes back out of the woodwork, believing her fake baby to be his when he sees her announce it on Instagram. And then she just kind of decides to roll with that a bit because it's kind of handy Mm. and kind of suits her, (laughs) kind of adds the ring of truth to proceedings that she has this like baby daddy called Sam. And um, so in that book, in the first book, um, I mean, I won't spoil the twist at the end, but she basically just is outed as a, oh no, I just said I won't spoil the twist. <laughs> Sophie. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, basically, you're lying on the internet. It's going to catch up with you. So look, she gets outed. And at the I beginning of spoil it. Spoil I won't it spoil it, off. but I'll, I'll just completely spoil it. Um, so basically, at the beginning of the second book, she is like, she's been cancelled. And she is like at the bottom of one of these insane Twitter hate pylons. Oh, and God. she's a pariah. And... She's also, um, she's just having a really, really hard time, obviously. And um, what more importantly than anything is that Sam, her fake baby daddy, um, hates her. Mm -hmm. And so the second book is really about her redemption and her trying to win him back. Um, But I suppose because it's kind of comedy and it's set in this really outlandish world of Instagram influencers, there's a lot of like, just fun stuff in it. Like she goes to Catfishers Anonymous, which is like in the book, it's like a recovery program, (laughs) like a 12 step for people who are compulsive catfishers who constantly lie and make up fake identities online. And I have to say, I had so much fun with those scenes because Mm. like, for example, I don't know if you remember this. Um, A few years ago, there was an anonymous Twitter account on Irish Twitter called Secret RTE Producer. Do you no. ever remember this? No. Um, it was only about three years ago, I think. But anyway, everyone was obsessed with it for about two months. Like if you Google 
secret RTE producer. I bet you'll find some stuff on broadsheet or something. Basically, everyone was like, oh my God, like this guy, he's a really disgruntled employee tweeting horrible things about like all the flabby middle management of RTE. Oh, no way. And like, oh, it's absolutely ripping it out of RTE on Twitter. And like, oh, he got really big, really fast. And no, never never outed so I was like oh I'm so gonna put at secret RT producer in my book and like mm. have fun with that and also at the time when I was writing it last year do you remember the two fire documentaries came out yeah amazing and um, and I was so inspired I was like i definitely need to do some kind of spoof fire festival mm. so I did that in the second book and like there's just I mean it's to be honest, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm describing it and it all sounds so outlandish and kind of like farcical. Well, this but stuff goes time, on. <laughs> this stuff goes on, exactly. Yeah, like every time, every time I think I've come up with something that's too ridiculous, I'll Google it and be like, oh no, like 10 people already have done this. You yeah. know, it's mad. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally mad. So like the, you can definitely read Unfiltered without having read Filter This. Yeah, and but you can also pick up both books yeah. um, at your nearest bookshop or on your nearest internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also available as an audiobook. And people tell me I've never listened to it because I just, I don't, I would find that unbearable. I yeah, that would be strange. It'd be strange, yeah. wouldn't it? Like I'm, a really good actress does all the voices and everything, but I'm just mm. kind of like, it'd be so strange for me because I hear them in my head in a totally different way. Mm. But um, yeah, it's, it's also on Audible. So you could use your credit, your little credit this month. Oh, yeah. And they're like, sell, 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 sell. But it's great. It is really basically, you know, just good, fun, chick lit and a bit of escapism. Yeah, it sounds and amazing. have told me that they have laughed and cried. And oh, it's re- it really a sign like, of a good book. Yeah, it sounds <laughs> gas. It sounds brilliant. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've had the best chats today. Ah, <laughs> oh, no, me too. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fail Harder. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you could help me spread the word by subscribing to the podcast, rate and review it, share it with a friend, that would be such a huge help. Thank you so much. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.